0: Hello and welcome to the weekly podcast of a C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. In that with that song, don't stop, believe and worship Him. sorry, don't get me going because I'll do it, I'll go there, I'm Pastor Jeremy, glad to be with you this morning as we continue our series called Don't Stop and uh, welcome to our college students that are here today, we're glad that, we know you're not here just for a free lunch, you're here for the awesome preacher too. Right, that's right. Good answer. You just earned it. Good job. (laughs) Let's be honest. I'm here for the free lunch too, so I'll see you down there after second service. Well, we've been talking about the habits of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus and and what that looks like. We've talked a a lot about uh, we've talked about the attitude of a follower of Jesus, specifically the attitude towards His church, the church. Talked about defining the relationship not only with Jesus. But defining the relationship you have with his church, are you committed to his church? Last week, we talked about worshiping together. We talked about how membership is an important step. Many of you are functioning as members, but have never taken that step to be committed members of the church, and so we encourage you to take that step and don't stop. Scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews that the church started to change a little bit. We talked about what it looked like in the book of Acts, and we'll find ourselves back there this morning. But Hebrews talked, and we mentioned this last week, that some things had happened between the inception of the church in the book of Acts and when the writer wrote the book of Hebrews, that there were some who were not fully devoted as they once were. And, And you're right, Rick, we did talk about Sam's Club, that some people want the benefits, like the free samples, but they're not willing to make the purchase. They're not willing to step in to that relationship. And here's what the writer of Hebrews writes, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This morning we're we're talking about growing together with others. I really believe we cannot grow effectively in our faith as a believer In isolation, I just don't think it's possible. You come to salvation in Christ on your own, but I don't believe you can be an effective follower of Christ on your own. You were never meant to. Listen to these statistics I thought were kind of telling by Lifeway Research. 83% of people who are in some type of group within the church are still active after five years, yet 16% who only attend worship service remained in the church after five years. That's a pretty telling statistic. This morning we're going to focus on being part of a group here at C2. As we talked about last week, worshiping together in a corporate sense, we want to move you to being in a smaller group engaged in the life of the church. Church engagement and small group involvement have a direct correlation, I believe, to a follower's faith. It's part of the discipleship process, and we talk about discipleship what what does that mean it really is the process by which someone follows jesus or becomes more like jesus this is what we refer to as the discipleship process or being a disciple and here's kind of my philosophy i'm going to give you kind of the three thousand foot overview real quick if you want to put that slide up on the screen this is what discipleship looks like for me in in terms of philosophy And i'm not going to go real deep into it this morning but i see it as a three-legged stool Three components: educational, relational, and personal. What do I mean by that? Well, educational. There's got to be some knowledge transfer. At some point, someone has to teach me something. How to do it, what it looks like, the information, the doctrine, whatever it whatever it is. In this case, becoming a follower. Of Jesus. Someone's got to got to tell me the information, and that might happen in a, a setting like this, in a corporate worship weekend service it might happen in one of our next classes where you're getting an information download I'm getting knowledge I'm gaining insight but if it were if that were to stand on its own all we would have is head knowledge right which wouldn't lead us very far so that's where the relational component comes in I've got to have someone in my life who is showing me how to live out the truth that I've been taught if I simply hear it but don't see it, there's going to be a disconnect. I might become more religious than I am a follower of Jesus, and that's the danger of that. So I need someone to show me. I need a mentor. I need a, a rabbi. I need a Yoda, yeah. right? I need that. I need that relational component. Now, if, if we're only relational then we're probably going to give in to, to heresy because I don't really know what I believe. So educational and, pers- uh, educational and relational go hand in hand. But sometimes the church stops there and we fail to make it personal. And this is critical in the discipleship process. Is eventually, as, as the mentor, I'm going to have to leave you. As the discipler, I have to leave you as the disciplee. But if you've never made it personal, then all you have is head knowledge if it's only been relational, then all, I, all of my faith has been based on the other person. So that's why it's got to be personal. If we talk about scripture reading, and, and I can teach you how to read the scriptures and understand and apply it to your life, I can show you what it looks like, but you've never actually read the scripture on your own, disciplining yourself in private to read the scripture and let God speak to you, you'll be an incomplete follower, an incomplete disciple. You'll fi- You'll struggle. And this is why these three components are part of our philosophy here at C2 of what discipleship should look like. I could talk about this for hours, but I won't. Go ahead and forward on to the next slide. This is how it plays out in what we see here at C2. We see our weekend services as part of our discipleship. We gather together like we talked about last week. We worship together. It's vitally important that we gather like this together to worship and pray and study Scripture. But we want to move you beyond stopping at a Sunday morning and filling a chair. We want to move you into classes where you can meet people and gain knowledge, whether it's Financial Peace University or how to study the Bible, uh, a leadership class. So those are the three adult ones we have uh, going on in our next classes now. But we want to move you into groups where it's personal, it's, it's living life together with other people, and that's where we're going to focus this morning, and then Teams, becoming part of a ministry team, whether that's our, our greeter team or our connection team, our life cafe team, kids ministry, youth ministry, worship ministry, college ministry, any one of those things. Becoming part of a team will help you connect into our church. And then undergirding it all is the idea of membership, being committed to this local body called C2 Church. So that's a little bit of the nuts and bolts of discipleship that I wanted to give you. Just kind of sets us up in terms of talking About groups, because remember, we cannot. We were never meant to live the Christian life on our own, and I don't think it's acceptable to God that we walk alone. In fact, God is the one who created community. He Himself lives in community. Maybe you've heard the church word called the Trinity, not just the character in the Matrix. It's a church word called the Trinity. It's it's this idea that comes from Scripture where God exists. In, in, in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three functions, three departments, all function as God. But he, he revolves in community. And in creation, he didn't create Adam alone, he gave Adam Eve. And they had a family and it became community. The original church was family. Family. The children of Israel, they lived together in community. They would be God's people who would demonstrate God's faithfulness to all the people of the world. He gave us the church. Jesus gave us the church upon his departure, a group of believers living in community together as a gift to us, his followers. I think God is grieved and maybe a little offended when we don't live in this community called the church. I really believe fully devoted followers are devoted to the fellowship of the believers. We're going to jump back into Acts chapter 2 as we talked about in the previous weeks. And I encourage you, if you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, you can get the podcasts and and catch up. You'll certainly understand this morning's uh, talk on its own. But here's Acts chapter 2. If you have your scriptures, you can go ahead and turn them on. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. So this is the church. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think this is a, a great insight into how the church was functioning at its very beginning. They gathered together in the temple courts. I imagine it was a a, a group like this, a very large group setting. There was teaching. One of the rabbis or the scribes was teaching. One of the Levites who was assigned for the scriptures of the day was reading the scroll. They were studying it. This was sort of the social construct of society. People attended because it was an obligation more than an attitude of worship sometimes. They showed up because it's what you do. Nobody in here is like that. I know that. But certainly we've had a culture where you went to church on Sundays because it was part of the social fabric rather than part of my faith. Verse 42 gives us this, this insight. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. The breaking of bread. They gathered in homes, verse 46 says. Why was that? Well, because they couldn't really discuss the life of Jesus in the temple. Eventually, that's what would get them uh, disbarred from the temple. They would be rejected because of their following of Jesus and his teachings. So where did they discuss it? How did they talk about what it meant and how it would affect their lives? It was in homes. It was in small groups. It wouldn't be in the temple. It couldn't be in the temple. So it happened in small groups. So why are groups important in our church? Well, I believe fully devoted followers are part of a small group. Jesus is part of a small group, right? He had 12 people that he lived life with, did life with. He lived in community with others. I think there's four factors I want to roll out to you why I think groups are a powerful force in our church, and in the local church. First, the relationship factor. Connection with people helps us to connect with God. Thank you. (laughs) Relationship with people helps us connect to God. There's something about learning from other people's journeys, hearing their insights in the scripture, hearing how they've applied it to their life, and then watching them live it out. When, when I'm in a relationship with somebody and I'm seeing them struggle through the difficult times of life yet remain faithful, my faith is encouraged. I'm able to come alongside them. In Acts chapter 2, they, they use the phrase, they broke bread together. It's a vital, vital thing in the church to eat food together. I'm just saying. Can't be a fully devoted follower of Jesus without something to do with food. But there's something biblical about it, all jokes aside, there's something biblical about the intimacy when you eat together, whether it's at a restaurant, but certainly when you're in someone's home, eating a meal together, sitting down at their table and eating together. Your relationship has gone to another level when someone has come into your home, you've eaten together, there's an intimacy. And this is what was happening in the early church, this was... This was radically different than the society that they were living in. Listen to what Tom Rainier says in his book, I Will. If you are not in a group, you are not really committed to your church. Ouch. (laughs) If you are not in a group, you are, at best, a marginal church member. If you are not in a group, the likelihood of your dropping out from your church is high. If you are not in a group, you could be a Christian sluggard. No amens. Okay. That means you may be an incredibly lazy and uncommitted Christian. It means you are unwilling to grow spiritually together with other Christians. And if you think Lone Ranger Christianity is acceptable to God, you need to read the New Testament again. Hmm. Honestly, I was offended too. Because Darcy and I for a, a great deal of ministry time, live life without other people involved, especially our time in youth ministry. It was always easy to say, oh, we're the youth pastors. We've got you know, all these kids that we're with, and we do small groups for teenagers, and we never had a small group of our own. We were too busy, right? And, and when you live ministry like us, it, it's easy to, to say, well, all y'all don't understand. I mean, we do ministry all the time. We're a part of it. blah blah. blah. It's all just excuses. Until someone bugged, loved us enough <laughs> to join their small group. And we had excuses. Oh, we're part of other groups. We have other things we're doing. Oh, they're all important, right? But it wasn't until we stepped into life group that, that it really clicked with us how important being part of a, a small group was. We were known, which is a little scary, right, to live life with other people in accountable relationships they're all up in your business. They want to know how you're doing, besides fine. <laughs> right? They pray with you. This is, this is what was radically different about the New Testament church. We just failed to prioritize it. We were failing as church members. We were failing as pastors to live it out. And when we stepped in to that kind of Intentional relationship, we discovered the truth of of the Scripture. And here's here's the reality. Sustained life change takes place best in the context of intentional relationships. That's why small groups are important. Not just for me, but for you. It's in your best interests. The second factor, the ministry factor. Connection with people helps us live out the mission of God. God. We don't simply gather as a church on Sunday, but we are sent out from this building as the church on Sundays. I keep saying Sundays because eventually we may have a Saturday night service, so I'll just say the weekend, and so I'll just say that. But every group functions as a smaller church. Every group caring for itself, meeting the needs of the people, on mission in their group to grow together and reach this city because your group can reach a part of the city that another group can't and you become life-giving in your part of the city i, I can't get a, a, away from that last verse it said and the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved why was it because they gathered in the temple no everybody went to temple it's because they were in their homes eating together they were living in a radically different way where they were caring for one another beyond this is like our culture Most people are so self absorbed that we don't see other people's needs. It's not because we don't want to, it's because we don't take the time to. It's not intentional. Ministry is more likely to take place with people who know each other well in a group. And that leads to the second part of that connection with people helps us through the hard times. We not only get to care for others, but we get to be cared for. It's hard when people go through hard times and aren't involved in a small group because I, I, can, I can tell you when I see people lose loved ones in the church who aren't part of a small group, it, it's, it's possible to care for them, but not at the level that small groups can. As I've observed over the years, when people have lost loved ones in our church who are part of a small group, that small group is just like... Whoosh, They gather around that person and bring them hot dish more than they could ever want. (laughs) Right? I mean, food. And care and compassion. All those things happen in a small group because you're known. Some of my most proud moments are hearing of individuals and families who go through a hard time and their life group steps up to help them out, whether it's a, a lost job or sickness or death this is why the scripture in Acts talks about they held everything in common. They sold possessions and property to take care of one another. Radically different in a small group. Sometimes when you, when you see someone standing on a street corner and, and if you're like me, you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, right? I don't want to debate whether that moment is for charity or not. But when somebody in my small group is in need, ain't no doubt I'm helping them out. Hey, that rhymed, right? You're gonna because you know them. There's a trust factor. There, I I care for them in in an immediate sense. That somebody I may not know might be in more of a struggle, but someone who's part of my family, the family of God, I'm gonna step up and help them. I love hearing the stories of life groups, hearing about the needs of our city and people around them. And as a group, they go and serve, and they help meet that need. This is why the ministry factor happens within life groups. And what about the teaching factor? That's the third thing. And we can learn from Scripture and hear Scripture on, on a weekend service, right, in a, in a setting like this. And that's a key facet of corporate worship, is the preaching of God's Word and the internalization of, of it so that we can go out and apply it and live it but beyond that I can study it on my own but how much more effective when I'm sitting in a group of people and we're discerning God's will for us and what is this saying and, and uh, wh- what is it that I learned uh, oh hey the pastor said this what do you, and wow it struck me here and we begin to process it together challenging encouraging and holding each other accountable to it and that's why classes are important you get to know people in a class right one of our next classes, you get to know people, you get to learn God's Word. and In a small group, you get to apply it, you get to live it out, you get to see somebody else live it out, right? That's why teams are important, too. You get to know people and serve in that way and learn something. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's what happens within a small group. I'm taught, I can teach. We sharpen each other and the final factor is this the evangelism factor again that, that part of the passage at the end of Acts chapter 2 and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved there's something about this group of people that was making a difference in early Jerusalem let me say it this way some of your neighbors your coworkers, your friends they're more likely to attend a small group in your home before they will ever step for, foot in a church building They'll be more comfortable there. Some people don't like the idea of church but have no problem coming to your house because you're, they've inoculated themselves to your weirdness. <laughs> you're at an acceptable level to them. They know you. There's a trust level there. How? how and maybe if you're new to us or, or, or you've ever been to a new place, new church, to, to step into that kind of environment where you don't really know anybody and you don't know the culture and you don't know the secret handshakes and all that kind of stuff, it's intimidating, it can be and, and then getting involved and known, it's scary But when I invite you into my house, into my life There's, there's an uneasiness, a, a comfort level that comes with that And stepping into a church setting like this Is a, l- a little easier when I'm sitting next to you And well you're not that weird So these people are just a little bit above your weirdness So here's why groups matter Fourth issues I want to consider as we close today one, the health of our church is directly related to the health of the groups in our church. The health of this church is directly related to the health of our groups. How many groups we have? The leaders we have. Listen, church, we're never gonna run out of leaders. You can't look around and go, Oh, they have plenty of leaders. No uh, we don't. We had six hundred and twenty five people attend our service last week. We do not have enough leaders. You can clap for that. That's awesome. The health of our church is directly related to the health of our groups. That's important, to have healthy groups. So you need to be part of a group. Groups in our church help people stick. They help people stick. People want relationship. They don't want to just attend a church. Right? That's what we see in America. People aren't attending church just because of the the social pressure to anymore. There is no social pressure to. So why are they going to come to something like this? It's because of you and of me and the relationship factor. It closes the proverbial back door that people walk out when they don't know anyone and they aren't known. That's the pressure that's on us. If people walk out the back door because they weren't greeted or welcomed, they felt like an outsider, they never got involved in a group, shame on us for not inviting someone in, because it p- can be that moment, whether on a Sunday morning, in a moment, or in a small group, that someone's eternity can be changed. Five times. Five times more likely to remain active. Five times more. Did you get that statistic that I read earlier? Not just attend five times more, but more likely to grow in faith, be involved in ministry, share your faith, hear the gospel. You're five times more likely to still be part of this community when you're in a small group? All right, let's get personal about it. Five times more likely to affect your family and the next generation because you got involved in a group. So how long will you keep saying, well, I'm just too busy? Uh, I've got other priorities. I get it, but when does push come to shove? When do you say, this is important, this is an essential part of being a fully devoted follower? Let me say this, everyone in the church should be in a group. Every one of you should be in a group. You could start with the next class or a serving team, but our goal is to move you into a group, a group that you're known in. Whether you're riding bikes and praying together, talking about Scripture, or you're sitting down and reading a book together. It doesn't matter to us what it looks like. It matters that you're part of a group, that you're known, and you're knowing people. This is the commitment to the church when you're part of a group. Because the church is the people. You're not committed to us because you sit and occupy a chair on a Sunday morning. Right? I I love you all. I love being your pastor. I love that you're with us on a Sunday morning. But it's important to me as your shepherd and your pastor that you are cared for in an intimate way. And I can't care for all y'all. It's impossible for me. So be part of a small group where you can care for others and people can care for you. As we grow bigger, we must grow smaller, right? That's, that's the truth. If we're going to grow bigger and God continues to bring people into his kingdom and his church, not my church, his church, we've got to grow smaller. It means you've got to take a step. I, it breaks my heart when people say, well, that church got too big for me, so I had to leave. What's that even mean? Too many people are joining the kingdom of heaven and that makes you mad? I don't understand. It's your responsibility to plug in and get into a group, create one yourself, lead a group. But that's how you're known. That's how this bigness, two services, maybe three, maybe several can't, you've got to do a part two get involved in a group. We don't have one that meets your needs or your schedule. Start your own. It's a free market. We believe in entrepreneurship. There you go. Permission granted. You know, I was encouraged sitting with a, a friend this week, and he was telling me that he and some friends in, in a town nearby started their own small group of a, a bunch of people from other churches uh, because they all drive various distances to work and to church, and they just decided they'd start their own Bible study. He said, is that okay? I'm, I'm not part of a C2 small group, but I'm part of a small group. I'm like, that's great. Keep growing. You can't leave our church, but, <laughs> but that's good. They're meeting in their town. They're, they're studying together. They're praying together. Every group member should be inviting others into the group, and that's the last thing. The Lord added to their number daily. This was unique. Community needs inviters. That's critically important. You know, part of being a fully devoted follower or disciple is making disciples. You aren't a fully devoted disciple until you're making disciples, until you're part of the process of somebody else growing to become more like Jesus. So your group should be growing. It should be multiplying. That's the word we like to use. There should be more people coming in to your group, ultimately to the church and into God's kingdom because of us, because we live in a radically different way than the rest of our world and culture. Karis is going to come as I pray this morning. And uh, you can come now. I'm going to pray. Karis is our discipleship and equipping pastor. She's in charge of all of our life group leaders and life groups. And so she's done a wonderful job for launch today. so we're going to give you some time. We're actually sending you out a little early before you go pick up kids or go out to the parking lot and get in your car and go to lunch. Before College Connect, which will happen, stop by some of our tables and she's going to give us some instructions. Let me pray and then I'm going to let you talk. Does that sound good? All right. Father, thank you for your church, the gift that you've given to each and every one of us. And as we strive to become fully devoted followers, Father, help us not to stop, to stop short of all that you have for us, all that you want for us, to being fully obedient to what you've called us to do. I pray you'd help us push past the mental... Uh, obstacles that may have kept us from uh, stepping into a group or the emotional obstacles or even schedule obstacles that we've we've let dominate our schedules but father would you help us whatever that next step looks like would you help us take it give us uh, a spirit spirit uh, empowerment to step into those groups and be obedient to you would you bless your people now in jesus name Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.